This Time Next Year, written and read by Liz Hines. 5th of November, Wednesday. It's Brian's birthday in three days, and I can't decide whether to send him a card or not. He didn't send me one, even though it was my 50th, but I won't hold that against him. Sending him a card would show that I have moved on, that I harbour no hard feelings against him, and that I understand that things have changed and I'm happy with that, but also that I'm still fond of him and would like to maintain a good relationship with the father of my children. On the other hand, if I send him a card, it might look as though I am desperately trying to win him back, or even that I am petty and trying to show him up for not sending me a card, or that I am still in love with him. He'll get cards from the children. He doesn't need a card from me. In fact, he probably wouldn't notice either way. I am stressing myself out here for no reason. I won't send him a card. But I am still fond of him, and I don't see why I should let what he, or Gina, might think stop me from doing what I want to do. I've spent too much time over the years caring what other people might think of my actions. I will get him a card tomorrow. I called Adam to remind him about his father's birthday. It was good to talk to him. He is well, enjoying himself, eating sensibly, getting enough sleep, working hard, and not drinking too much. I was believing him until he got to the last bit. But I'm not going to worry. He is a grown man now and no longer my responsibility. Which is nonsense, of course. He will be my responsibility until the day I die. Do mothers ever stop fussing? Mine hasn't. 6th of November, Thursday. I spent my entire lunchtime looking for a card for Brian. I couldn't decide between funny, manly, modern or retro. The funny weren't, and the manly were too grandfatherish, unless you're into fishing, golf or cars. Brian isn't. Which left modern or retro. I'm surprised card manufacturers haven't yet designed a card for my ex. I would have thought that would be a big seller. Eventually, I bought a card with a picture of the footballer Georgie Best on it, saying, I spent most of my money on wine, women and song. The rest I wasted. Then I decided Brian might read an accusation into that, so bought one with two old-fashioned-looking football players on the front and the words, Losing is just the same as winning, only the other way round. Then I feared he might misunderstand that so bought one with a mini on the front. I just decided that he might take that as an insult to his manhood when I realised that I had already gone over my allotted time of my lunch hour and that if I was going to analyse every card in the shop, I would never catch the post. So I opted for the mini and tough cookies if he takes it as a slur. I didn't have time for a dilemma over what to write inside and I simply put, Happy birthday, Brian, Alice stuck it in the envelope and posted it before I could change my mind. Later, Adam phoned to ask me what his dad's address is. Haven't you posted his card yet? It's not his birthday until tomorrow. Well, it won't get there now. Won't it? Will you get it on Sunday then? Adam, there is no post on Sunday. Oh, Monday then. No sweat, Mum. Dad'll be cool about it. Make sure you phone him tomorrow then. Yeah, OK. I'll try and remember. Don't just try, make sure you do.
8th of November, Saturday. I got up to the sound of knocking on the front door. I opened it to find Bev on the doorstep with Charlie and a large suitcase. Bev, are you all right? What's happened? Have you left Simon? She barged in. What are you talking about, Alice? Why would I leave Si? I just wondered you'd been here with a suitcase. It's not my suitcase, it's Charlie's. Charlie looked up at me with his big brown eyes and wagged his tail, knocking the vase off the table. Whoops, Bev said. You might want to move things at that level. He doesn't have a lot of control over his tail. She took off Charlie's lead and handed it to me. You'll want to put this somewhere safe. I wondered if I was still asleep and any minute Bev would turn into Alan Titchmarsh and Charlie into a floppy-breasted woman. All his food's in the suitcase, along with his blanket, dishes, vitamin pills and instructions. There should be enough food, but if you need to buy more, I'll pay you for it when I get back. He needs walking twice a day, but one long one will probably do, and don't forget to poop scoop. The councillor clamping down on that. You don't know how grateful I am that you agreed to look after Charlie while we're away. He hates the kennels so much and wouldn't speak to us for days last time when we got home. I'm sorry I've got a rush, but I wanted to leave it to the last minute, and Si will be going spare if I don't get back soon. Now be a good boy for your Auntie Alison, won't you, Charlie? Bev hugged his hairy face to hers. We'll be back soon, and we love you lots. Then she kissed his nose before straightening up and kissing me. You're a star. The telephone number of the vet's in the suitcase. Not that you'll need it, of course. Gotta go. Bye. I vaguely remember agreeing to consider looking after Charlie while Bev and Simon went on holiday, but I thought I'd thought better of it. I obviously didn't mention this fact to Bev. Still, he's here now, so I'll have to make the best of it. He will be good company, in fact. How hard can it be to look after a dog for a week? Or is it two? Oh, what are those strange slurping noises? I'd better go and check. Charlie was drinking from the toilet bowl. I thought dogs only did that in cartoons. I spent the rest of the morning unpacking Charlie's suitcase and putting down his blanket. The trouble was, each time I put it down, he picked it up again, looked at me expectantly and wagged his tail. It's no good, Charlie. I haven't learned doggy talk yet. You'll have to be patient. Now, what do you want? We stood and stared at each other for a little longer, but no answer was forthcoming. In the end, I let him out to play in the back garden while I did the dishes. He seemed happy, so I left him while I went upstairs to get the dirty washing. I was trying to decide if I could squeeze another day's wear out of my favourite jumper when there was a screech of brakes outside. Something clicked in my head. Charlie! I rushed to the window in time to see a very irate-looking driver shaking his fist at a puzzled-looking, waggy-tailed dog. I ducked down below the windowsill, but could still hear yelling about irresponsible owners. I crept downstairs and peeped through the window to make sure the car had gone before running out to grab Charlie and pull him back into the house. I had a cup of tea to calm my nerves before erecting a temporary barrier of old bikes, carrier bags and garden tools to stop Charlie getting from the enclosed back garden to no-gate front garden. I am impressed with my own creativity.
later in bed with Charlie. No matter where I put his blanket, it seems Charlie likes my bed better. It's not a problem. His weight next to me is reassuring and warm. I'll sleep like a log tonight after having to rebuild the garden barrier seven times, as well as taking him for a long walk in the woods. Nothing will keep me awake tonight. Just past midnight. Charlie is lying diagonally across the bed, leaving very little room for me. I've tried pushing him, but each time I think I've done it, he rolls back again. I'm going to have to adopt the foetal position and snuggle into the remaining space. 1.54am I'm convinced Charlie was a foghorn in a previous life. You couldn't call what he does snoring. It is more like the sound of a rocket being launched. After hoovering in vast quantities of air, he goes quiet for a moment. The peace sailors have always known comes before the storm. Then his whole body trembles as he breathes out through his mouth, his jowls flapping in the wind. I've tried pinching his nose, but that just delays exhalation. I'm relieved it's Sunday tomorrow and I'll be able to sleep all day. 5.15am, spare bedroom. I was woken by a hot, wet tongue licking my nose. For a brief moment my dream became reality and all of the last 18 months became a nightmare from which I was finally waking. I was just muttering, Go and clean your teeth first, Brian. Your breath smells very... doggish. When I came to, I opened my eyes sat up abruptly and looked around. Everything looked sort of familiar, but there was something not exactly right. The big dog on the bed especially was not right. 8.37am It's impossible to stay mad with Charlie for long. He is so affectionate and pleased to see me. It makes a nice change to have a friendly greeting in the morning. I'll spend time today encouraging Charlie to sleep in the kitchen on his blanket. His blanket looks very clean. Maybe it is freshly washed and unfamiliar. I think I vaguely recall an old wives' tale about rubbing dogs' blankets in their own pee to stop them wandering. It sounds fairly disgusting and unhygienic, but it might have the desired effect. When I let Charlie out, I'll wait for him to cock his leg so I can pop his blanket under the stream. A little later. I followed Charlie around the garden for half an hour before the phone rang. While I was talking to Mum, I had to watch Charlie release the equivalent of the River Thames onto the rose bush. It was probably a stupid idea anyway. Did old wives have nothing better to do with their time than follow dogs? Tonight I'll simply be firm and make him stay in the kitchen. Charlie is very sociable and much prefers being in my company to being alone. It's a long time since I've had this effect on a male, unless you count Martin who is showing just a smidgen of interest in my company outside of dance class. Maybe my effect on Charlie is a good sign. Later. I can't go to the toilet without having Charlie sitting outside the door crying. 
I left the door open last time, but he rested his head on my lap and started sniffing. I'm not doing that again. Early evening. I took Charlie to the woods again. I was enjoying watching him rolling on his back until a strange man said, You don't want to let him do that. Why not? He's enjoying himself. You've heard the expression pig and shit, haven't you? I thought the same was pig in clover. I don't know about that, but I do know what he's rolling in. What? Shit. Oh, no. Badger shit, most like. That's the smelliest. But why would he want to do that? It's what dogs do. Much later. I got Charlie into the bathroom on the third attempt. The first two ended with me chasing him off the bed and round the bedroom. I had run the bath, using my best bath oil, a present from Chloe for Mother's Day, as Bev hadn't left any doggy shampoo, then attempted to persuade him to jump in by holding chocolate biscuits over the water. Mistake. The biscuits crumbled in the heat. Then I tried adopting the weightlifting pose. Feet apart, knees bent, body forward, arms shoved under his armpits. I heaved and I heaved. The only thing that moved was a muscle in my back. It seemed the shower was the only alternative. I squeezed into my bathing costume and got in with him. I was soaking wet before I realised that the only shampoo in there was wild mint and tea rose, very expensive and bought when I was feeling low and in need of a pickup. Eventually I was satisfied that the smell was gone and let him out, only to watch him shake all over the spare bed. It seemed silly to waste the water and bath oil, so I was about to get in the bath when I noticed it was full of biscuit crumbs. I gave up and spent the next hour cleaning the bathroom, cleaning doggy hair from the plug hole and changing quilt covers on beds. I fed Charlie, gave him his vitamins and showered myself again. I was too tired to eat or battle with Charlie, so we both went upstairs to bed. I definitely need to get a man about the house soon. It's impossible to rub deep heat into your own back.